Welcome to See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the selection of new movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. It was a busy week with lots of new releases, and I was able to get to a good handful of them. Also this week, I give my thoughts on a streaming series in the segment Binge It or Singe It. But before we get going, it's time to update my movie-watching goal for 2022. Each year, I try to outdo myself for my previous movie-watching record, and my goal this year is to watch 264 movies, with 149 of those being seen in the theaters. As of this recording, I have watched 185 films, of which 109 were seen in the theater. I think I'm going to reach my theater goal, but I'll have to get moving on the overall goal if I'm going to reach 264. I'll give you another update next month. For our featured movies this week, Oscar winner Viola Davis leads a tribe of warriors in The Woman King. Emmy winner Tandaway Newton is made to feel unwelcome in her own home in God's country. Oscar nominee Naomi Watts may or may not be the mother of young boys in the thriller Goodnight Mommy. The dashing Emmy-winning John Hamm takes over the Chevy Chase 80s role in Confess Fletch. And Oscar winner Sam Rockwell joins Oscar nominee Saoirse Ronan to solve a murder mystery in the comedy See How They Run. It's a busy week for movies, so let's get this show on the road. Set in the 1820s, a group of female warriors from the West African kingdom of Dahomey train to fight against an enemy who wants to demolish their kingdom. This is the Woman King. My king. The Europeans wish to conquer us. They will not stop until the whole of Africa is theirs. We must fight back for our people. Maneska, you are asking me to take them to war. Some things are worth fighting for. The film opens with an ambush on a group of men by Naniska, played with fierce commitment by Academy Award-winning actress Viola Davis, who, along with her crew of warriors, use everything from machetes to sharpened fingernails to slaughter the men of the village and free the women and children. However, due to a large loss of her army, Naniska decides she needs to recruit a new slate of warriors moving forward. Enter defiant teenager Naui, played by Tuso Madebu, who, after refusing to marry the man selected for her, is given by her father to King Geso, played by Star Wars alum John Boyega. This gift is intercepted by Izogi, played by Lashana Lynch, seen last year as a 007 in No Time to Die. She sees Noawi's feistiness and enlists her in training for the new army, the new recruits work under the tutelage of Naniska as they work toward their goal of crumbling the Oyo Empire. Can they all get the strength and determination needed to destroy a long-standing empire, or will they prove to be no match? I give this film a... See it! Remember last week when I said a historical epic needs to be one hell of a movie for me to find it entertaining? Well, this is it. Davis is fierce in this role, and the action is stunning. I really enjoyed seeing how the film came together, and the pacing was splendid. I was never once bored during the two-hour and ten-minute runtime. 
If I had to ding the movie for anything, it would be the twist that came around the middle of the film. It was a bit contrived and cliche. Um, and even though this is inspired by a true story, the central characters were not real individuals in history. So that made the twist a little bit too contrived for me. But overall, this was an exciting film to watch, and I recommend it to anyone who likes action films. Next, a black college professor battles two stubborn hunters who keep trespassing on her property. This is God's Country. I heard about you. Just didn't know it was this canyon. Did they threaten you at all? Not overtly, but I have definitely been made to feel threatened. Where are you from originally? New Orleans. I teach at the university. Out here, things are a little different. Most folks handle this sort of thing amongst themselves. I guess I'm not most folks. The film opens as Emmy winner Tandaway Newton's character Sandra is grieving the loss of her mother. Soon after, she returns home to find a red pickup truck parked on the edge of her private property. Believing it to be hunters who didn't know better, she leaves a note asking that they not park on her property in the future. This does not go over well at all as the hunters crumble up the note and leave it next to the bloody carcass of a bird. Sandra confronts the two hunters and they claim to have not seen the note and inform her that they are using the area as a shortcut to their hunting targets and they have no intention of going elsewhere. The next day, Sandra has their truck towed, which sets off a battle between the two parties and Sandra finds an arrow shot through her door the next morning. Getting no help from the local sheriff's deputy, Sandra is forced to take matters into her own hands. I give this film a... See it. The premise behind the film was very engaging and intriguing for me, and I enjoyed the main story, as well as all of the performances, especially Newton's. She was stunning, as always. The side stories, I felt, were not very necessary and dragged the film down a bit. When I go into a movie, I'd like to know how long it is so I can have an idea of when it will end, and I looked at my watch and saw there were only 20 minutes left and there seemed to be a lot left to resolve. I think by condensing some of the side stories involving Sandra's work, as well as a storyline involving a student of hers, those could have saved the film from being... Uh, kind of in a manic rush to finish and wrap things up before the end. But overall, it was a worthy watch, even if it hit close to home with the current political divide bullshit that our country is dealing with. So if you don't mind that, then go see it. Next, a woman is suspected of masquerading as her children's mother. This is good night, mommy. Don't you think something's different? I don't think that's our mother. Twin brother Elias and Lucas, played by Cameron and Nicholas Crovetti, are dropped off at their mom's house to spend some time with her. Their mom is played by two-time Academy Award nominee Naomi Watts. When they arrive, she is nowhere to be found, and when they finally find her, 
they see her face is covered by surgical bandages. As time progresses, they find her behavior to be very, very odd. It doesn't seem that she is the same woman they remember last seeing. She is easily angered, now smokes, and most suspiciously refuses to sing the song to which she used to sing them to sleep. She forbids them to enter the barn in her backyard and almost completely focuses her attention on Elias, barely acknowledging Lucas's presence. Her bizarre behavior leads the boys to believe that the person they are staying with is an imposter who has kidnapped their mother, or worse. Unable to contact their father, the boys devise a plan to catch this woman in a lie and expose her for the fraud she is. I give this film a... Shove it. This movie was neither intriguing nor scary. The script was a mismatch of other films that have been done and done way better. In fact, this film is a remake of a 2014 Austrian film. And if that was anything like this, that is one I will never watch. And I highly recommend that you not waste a second of your time with this piece of garbage. I don't know what the hell is wrong with Naomi Watts lately. At one point in time, she was a Hollywood elite who would spark Oscar talk with each role she took. But for the last five years or so, her projects have all been awful at worst and tepid at best. If I were her, I'd be giving my agent the heave-ho and finding someone new. Our next film is a reboot of an 80s classic film series featuring a bumbling detective. This is Confess, Fletch. Earl Maurice Fletcher. They caught me in the middle of a yawn. you imagine that? Don't kill this young woman. I think the victim interrupted an art theft. Your fingerprints are on the murder weapon, and someone matching your description was seen with the victim. Come back with me to police headquarters. I get it. You want my help? Okay. Hey, guys, is there a way we can call in a coffee or a kill for a macchiato? Not literally. In this version, Emmy-winning actor John Hamm plays Erwin M. Fletcher, a former journalist who begins to investigate a murder after a dead body is discovered in his rental home. Simultaneously, Fletch is investigating a missing art collection that his girlfriend's family has reported missing. And because of the dead body, Fletch is considered prime suspect number one by two cops, played by The Daily Show's Roy Wood Jr. and Aidan Mayeri. The rest of the movie focuses on Fletch trying to clear his name, find the missing art, and stave off his girlfriend's mother, played by Oscar winner Marsha Gay Harden. I give this film a... See it. This movie was fun to watch, and I think it would be for someone who also grew up on the original Fletch movies. Ham is a good fit for the role as he has good comic timing and is very magnetic on the screen. The film itself is very retro in that the tone and aura of the film was nostalgic and would have fit right in in the 80s. The homage to the original was nice and it was just a good watch. A nice harmless movie that is fun to watch but nothing I'd watch repeatedly. Although if they decided to make more and create a series out of it, I'd watch them. Finally, Oscar winner Sam Rockwell is called in to investigate the murder of a Hollywood director and producer. This is See How They Run. We have a serial killer on the loose. Please stand back. He keeps the key. Ah! Under the mat. 
We are no longer merely suspects. We are also potential victims. Set in 1953 London, this film takes place as Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap is celebrating its 100th performance. Arriving at the theater, American director Leo Kopernik, played by Academy Award winner Adrian Bodie, is a gruff, arrogant asshole who is in London to produce the film version of the play. Although he admits he's never seen the play because he's convinced that it is a second-rate murder mystery. He describes the typical plot structure of a murder mystery, including when the unlikable character gets bumped off, and then he gets bumped off. As a is typical in British mysteries, the first murder is ha- hated by everyone, and Kopernik is no different. He was hated by the theater owner, the writer, the actors, the ushers, hell, I even think the stage curtains probably hated him as well. Soon after, Inspector Stoppard arrives. He's played by Oscar winner Sam Rockwell. Stoppard works with a local constable named Stalker, played by four-time Oscar nominee Sir Sharonin. The two have a love-hate relationship as they piece together the evidence to solve the murder. I give this film a... See it! First off, as I've said many times, I do love mystery stories. This one had a brisk pace with a good amount of humor along the way. Rockwell and Ronan had great comic timing with each other, and the supporting cast each had their moments to shine. I really liked how the film focused mostly on the mystery and not a huge amount of time on any of the detectives' backstories. If you like mysteries, you'll probably enjoy this fun one. So that's it for this week's featured films. To recap, The Woman King is in theaters now and is a see it. God's Country is in theaters now and is a see it. Good Night Mommy is streaming on Amazon Prime now and is a shove it. And I would say good night, mommy, goodbye, mommy, auf Wiedersehen, arrivederci, and sayonara to that mommy. Confess Fletch is in theaters now and is a see it, and See How They Run is in theaters now and is a see it, and it's also my pick of the week. Thankfully, there were some good movies to watch this week compared to that shit show last week. My god, that was the worst week of movie going I've ever had. And now, it's time for my lightning round reviews of some additional movies in my segment called Quick Picks. The Silent Twins tells the true story of June and Jennifer Gibbons, twin girls who retreat from society and only communicate with each other. It's a compelling story, but not a compelling movie. It's in theaters now, and I give it a shove it. End of the Road is new on Netflix and stars Queen Latifah as she takes her family on a road trip from hell. The best part of End of the Road was the end of the movie, and is a shove it. And I Used to Be Famous, also on Netflix, is a story about a former boy band member who befriends an autistic drummer. It's a sweet and inspiring story that I rate as a see it. Now, let's move on to this week's Binge It or Singe It. Mickey Haller is a defense lawyer who inherits a law firm after his former colleague shows up dead as a result of an assassination in a parking lot. Having taken off a year due to an accident and now addicted to pain meds, 
Mickey must take over the firm's cases, including that of Trevor Elliott, a game developer who is accused of killing his wife and her lover. This is The Lincoln Lawyer. In court, before you can win, you gotta believe you can win. But what if you don't? Then you better fake it till you make it. The Lincoln Lawyer, that what they call you? Some doyas. Why? They work out of my car. But that's not why you're here. Jerry Vincent left you his practice, including the Trevor Elliott trial. Tech guy who killed his wife and her boyfriend. Allegedly. Now that Mickey, played by Manuel Garcia Rolfo, has to work like mad to catch up on the trial, he becomes overwhelmed by the work, as well as other dramas in his personal life including dealing with his two ex-wives, one of whom is played by Scream star Nev Campbell. As the case progresses, the game maker, played by Christopher Gorham, starts acting suspiciously, and Mickey begins to question who it is he's representing. Is this guy innocent, or will Mickey also end up dead in a parking lot? For now, and based on its potential, I give this show a binge-it. And what I mean by this is when I started watching this show, I enjoyed most of the episodes. A little backstory. It originally was planned as a CBS series, but then was taken off the schedule due to COVID. Netflix picked up the series, and watching it, you can tell the episodes that were written for broadcast television and the episodes that were written for streaming. So with that said, I found the series to be interesting enough to continue on with, and I am intrigued to see where it goes when the tone of the entire season can be written for streaming. I'm hoping it gets a bit grittier. Well, that's it for this week. Both I and the 65-pound Pitbull that's currently resting on my keyboard, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I'm very grateful, and so is he. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month, and while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family in person and on social media. I appreciate all of your support. Come back next week for another round of reviews of the latest films in theaters and on streaming services, including the Olivia Wilde-directed and highly publicized, and not for all good reasons, Don't Worry Darling, and Pearl, the prequel to the film X that was released earlier this year. Follow me on Instagram at BrewstersDad73 and rate me wherever you get your podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'll catch you next time. Have a great week, everyone. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music, all rights reserved.